Hello again, Fight Fans. Welcome to episode number 218 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Montero, and today we're going to talk about Devin Haney's controversial comments. By now, you guys have heard all about it. It's all over every boxing show, every boxing podcast. And we're going to have special guests, Boseo Tijuana, Felipe Leon, and Renzo Novara from Boseo Tijuana. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We can talk about Mexican boxing. We could get uh, the point of view from south of the border. So, guys, get in your questions. We're going to go a little bit different. We're going on um, a little bit later than we've been going on. That is to accommodate our guests because they are in a different time zone. They're three hours behind me, so they needed a little more time. They couldn't go on earlier. So, I'm actually, usually we bring guests on right at the top of the show. We're going to bring them on in about half an hour, so you guys can get right to the phones right now if you want to talk about some of this stuff. I'm going to jump right into the Devin Haney stuff. Before I do that, I just want to remind you guys, go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and everywhere. Make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure you're following me on on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. It's all at Montero on Boxing. Make sure you check out my stuff in the Ring Magazine and Ring TV. And uh, let's see. Yeah, all the preliminary stuff is out of the way. Make sure you thumbs up this video live on YouTube. Make sure that you thumbs up, follow, like, all that good stuff on the Spreaker Live if you've got me over there too. Quick reminder, you guys can get in on the phones early on this show because we're bringing on our guests a little bit later. My phone is at a 50% charge. We will go as long as my phone holds up. All right? So if you guys have any questions, get on Twitter. You could get in some questions for our guest, specifically if you have questions about Mexican boxing, because our guests coming on later work in the Mexican boxing community, Mexican boxing media. So I think it's going to be really interesting to get their perspective on some of this stuff. If you have questions about Canelo, Juan Francisco Estrada, any of these guys, uh, these fighters from Mexico, or any questions specific about the Mexican boxing press and the differences between the press down there, the press in the United States, the press in the UK, any of it, okay? Get in some of those questions, whether it's on Twitter or you can call in. So, uh, yeah, let's jump right into this Devin Haney stuff, man. Um, I'm not going to repeat his comments word for word and all that stuff. By now, you guys have heard the quotes a a thousand times over. So, I will paraphrase. Devin Haney was on an LDBC YouTube fan channel. He was not doing a media interview. This was just a total recreational thing he was doing in his spare time for fun. He was talking on there, and uh, the issue of Vasily Lomachenko was brought up, and he basically said, I will never lose to a white boy. He didn't say white man. He didn't say white guy, white fighter, Caucasian. He said white boy. Now, a lot of you guys have asked me how I personally feel about this. I will get into that in a little bit. Let's just uh, preface some things, okay? Um, First of all, what Devin Haney said, I think we can all admit, regardless if you liked it, didn't like it, it offended you, it didn't offend you, whatever, whatever your political worldview is on this stuff, I think we can all admit that it was stupid. It was dumb. But Devin Haney's 21 years old. We all say dumb shit when we're 21. I'll be 41 in two months, and I still say plenty of dumb shit sometimes where I'm like, ooh, yeah, I shouldn't have said that. So I think we have to be very, very careful here. And when I say we, I mean the boxing community, okay? Um, Whether you're media, fans, fighters, trainers, commentators, whatever. If you're part of the boxing community, we need to be careful 
to not over-exaggerate what Devin Haney said and give it too much weight. At the same time, we need to also not lower our expectations uh, for somebody because of their demographics, whether it be their ethnicity, their age, whatever it is. I don't believe in that. I believe in holding everybody to the same standards. So need to be careful that we remain objective and logical here, okay? But uh, again, I will say, he's a young guy. He's 21 years old. I think some people are going to take this and run with it and make it a lot bigger than it is. At the same time, unfortunately, this is probably going to make some people like Devin Haney better because he went down that road, which is kind of shitty and kind of sad. But we've seen this with other fighters. So let me just set the record straight on this. Technically speaking, Devin Haney has lost to several quote-unquote white boys. And I should say that the term white, what the fuck is that anyway? What is white? Because what society might see as a white boy or white man, and what the United States Census Bureau sees as a white boy, white man, is two very different things oftentimes. And what was white 50 years ago may not be white right now. What is considered non-white right now may be white 100 years from now. Uh, There was a time in this country where people of Jewish heritage, uh, people of Italian ancestry, Greek ancestry, Spanish, Portuguese, Lebanese people, Egyptian people, Iranian people were not considered quote-unquote white and in some circles still are not in this country to a large degree. But according to the United States government, they are. Uh, A lot of you guys are getting your census information sent to you, right? I completed mine and Tiffany's about a week or so ago, all online. I remember as a kid watching my parents do it, and it was like a book. It was this huge thing that took hours, and a census person would come to your house to help you fill out the information. Now it takes 10 minutes online. And, you know, they asked for your race, and then they asked for your heritage, So those are two very different things. And then there's what society sees. And all this is blurry as hell, okay? So Devin Haney, what he considers a white boy, might not be what you consider a white boy. So all this racial shit is so fucking stupid. And people are ignorant and dumb. And they lose their minds over this stuff. The individual, generally speaking, is intelligent. The group, the mob, is stupid. That's generally how this stuff works. So... Some people are going to pile on to him for this, but technically speaking, he's already lost to several white boys. He lost to several white boys in the amateurs before he ever turned professional. So what he said was, statistically speaking, incorrect. He has lost to white boys, and if he fights Lomachenko next week, he's going to lose to another white boy. So to take that rhetoric and to run with it and be so offended by it, that you want to cancel this kid and you think that he should be suspended, he should lose his belt. I've seen all sorts of stuff like that all over Twitter. Guys, slow the fuck down. Slow down. What he said was dumb, but he didn't use a racial slur. Although, if you talk to some people, and again, this is all about your personal worldview and perspective, some people would consider white boy, specifically the boy part of it, a racial slur particularly given the context of the word boy, the subtext, I should say, going back uh, as, as, as it was used in disgusting fashion uh, against black men uh, in this country, specifically America, a long time ago. So, you know, 
some would say using that back on a Caucasian guy is a racial slur because you're kind of, oh, I'm playing that game that my ancestors got played. I'm playing it back on you. It depends on who you talk to. I don't really see it that way. You guys know if you follow me, I grew up in Detroit in a predominantly black neighborhood. I lived in black neighborhoods my entire life until I was 30 and moved to L.A. And then I lived in all mestizo and Asian neighborhoods. Uh, so I heard this sort of rhetoric on a daily basis. And not just from my teammates and my friends and my classmates, 90% of whom were black. But I heard it from my principal. I heard it from my coaches. I heard it from cops, black cops. I heard it from uh, my babysitters, my neighbors, priests, preachers, community leaders. I heard way worse rhetoric than this on a daily basis growing up. So this type of shit doesn't bother me. The only part of it that bothers me is the double standard. So we'll talk about that in just a second here. This is what I think, because a lot of you guys have asked me what I think. He was on a fan show that is on a channel that panders to people with a radical extremist worldview. Whether they're aware of that or not, that's the reality. The people that follow that channel and that community of fan channels, and these people are not media, they're fans that have very popular channels, some of them. They have a radical extremist viewpoint. I think Devin Haney knew that. And one could interpret that he may be a fan of this channel because he was pandering to that channel's base with the rhetoric he used. Had he been doing a media interview with ESPN or The Ring, um, I don't think he would have used that rhetoric. I think he would have said, I'll never lose to Lomachenko. I'll never lose to... He may have said something like that, but I don't think he would have brought race into it. I, so the problem with what he did is it leaves open to interpretation. You know, people will say, well, this indicates that he must be a fan of that channel and their worldview because he went on there. He didn't go through a publicist or through his promoter. He did this shit on his own time. This was a friend of a friend of somebody at that channel got in touch with him and he agreed to go on there and do a live chat and said all this stuff. So that must indicate that he has that worldview and, and has those sentiments that those guys do. And now I don't like him. That's what some fans might think. And that's the problem with what Devin Haney did. At the same time, though, there are fans out there that will say, man, I like him more because he has that worldview. When Deontay Wilder kind of went down that road, he became very, very popular with that community of YouTube fan channels. It ended up maybe working against Deontay Wilder a little bit when he fought Tyson Fury. But up until that point, he was the messiah of some of these fan channels. So some people have suggested, is Devin Haney doing this to try to play heel and appeal to a certain base and also broaden his base and get some media attention? I don't particularly think so, and here's why. If you're going to do that, why wouldn't you do it on the biggest platform possible? People keep bringing up Bernard Hopkins and the comparisons of when Bernard Hopkins said similar things to Joe Calzaghe who is half Italian, and that's kind of hilarious in its own sense that he called him a white boy, but yeah, we'll just skip over all that. But when Bernard Hopkins did that, that was a fight that was on HBO, and at that time, HBO was the top of the mountain in boxing. And I believe that was HBO pay-per-view. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. And that was part of the preview show or whatever for, for that fight. 
So Bernard Hopkins did that when he knew all the cameras were on, the entire fight press was watching, and millions of people were going to see this because the media was there, was going to get this out. That's when he did it. I think it was a very calculated move from Bernard Hopkins that ended up backfiring for him, as these kind of comments always do, just about always do. The only one that kind of worked out for was Floyd Mayweather when he said, really, really horrible things about Asian people and ended up beating Manny Pacquiao. Had he lost to Pacquiao, though, probably wouldn't have aged well. But most of the time, people that make these sorts of comments, it ends up biting them in the ass if they end up losing later on in their career. But again, Bernard Hopkins did this in a very calculated fashion as a grown man at the very top of the mountain in the sport, promoting a pay-per-view against a very specific opponent when the entire fight press was paying attention. Devin Haney did this on some fan channel chat that the fight press ignores and doesn't consider legitimate media. This wasn't him trying to be a sneaky genius in, in market himself like Floyd Mayweather, which, by the way, I got to mention Floyd. Uh, he, Devin Haney's come out and said that he's walked the comments back and said, I'm not racist. And he posted a picture with him next to Floyd Mayweather and said, I'm chasing greatness. I'm sure Floyd did not want to be associated with this shit. He's got enough to deal with right now. He's had a really, really rough time recently. The last thing he needed was to have his name dragged in this by Devin Haney. The reason why I've included Floyd Mayweather in this conversation is just because of that. Haney brought him into this. So there's zero comparison with what, I mean, there's slight because Floyd Mayweather called Manny Pacquiao a yellow midget on a much smaller platform, but he did do that. Um, a lot of people don't even know that it, that happened, but it did happen. And some people saw that and were offended by it. Manny Pacquiao really couldn't give a shit. It didn't bother him one iota. He still did business with the guy. Vasily Lomachenko is still going to do business with Devin Haney one day if that's meant to happen. I don't know if that fight will happen. But anyway, I do think with Devin Haney, this is me playing psychologist a little bit, there's a little bit of a sense of entitlement in this young man. I should state for the record, about a year or so ago, uh, I got, I contacted him through the proper channels as a member of the media, through a publicist, through a promoter. I got a hold of him and we scheduled a real interview. And I did a feature story on Devin Haney in The Ring Magazine well before he was as known as he is now and had the platform he has now. Well before he was signed with Matchroom and getting a million dollars purse to, to fight uh, journeymen on the you know Logan Paul KSI undercard long before that I found him to be a really nice smart young man that really had a bright future ahead of him to, to go with all the skills he had in the ring I was like man this kid's really got a good head on his shoulders he kind of he gets it so I never had a an issue with the dude but if you look recently on Twitter he's said a lot of dumb things and just come off kind of whiny and kind of uh, spoiled, a little delusional, and privileged. I think he's he's rather privileged. He probably doesn't think he is. He's been told by the entire press corps and Hollywood and everything that he's not. But in actuality, he is. You look at who he fought on that KSI Logan Paul undercard, and he got paid a million dollars for that. The WBC basically created a title for him. That wasn't to hook Vasily Lomachenko up. That whole situation was to hook Devin Haney up and to buy into the Devin Haney business early. That wasn't to benefit Lomachenko. It butt-fucked Lomachenko. That whole situation with the BC and those belts at 135, that helped Devin Haney. Okay? So the kid has been 
really treated pretty well and been pretty spoiled. And he's been tweeting recently saying, everyone's ducking me. No one wants to fight me. And just kind of complaining to the point where Tiafimo Lopez, a guy who's actually doing it the hard way, who hasn't had the privileged road that Devin Haney has had, and has had to work for it a little bit more than Devin Haney, and not made as much money, and is about to fight the guy who might be pound for pound number one in the world. He's certainly in the top two or three uh, later this year, probably. You know, Tiafimo Lopez said, shut up, kid. You're annoying everybody. That's basically what he said to to uh, to Devin Haney. So fellow fighters are calling this kid out right now. And then he goes and does this. So I think that his handlers need to get a, a grip on him. This is not quite the Clarissa Shields situation, but it's getting close. Okay. Clarissa Shields condoned violence against a senior citizen. Okay. Clarissa Shields really crossed some lines. She racialized some things, she sexualized some things, and she condoned violence against not only Ali Bashir, but against um, James Ali Bashir. But before that, remember, good job, Unk, when, um, God, I'm trying to think of who the guy was. Uh, her uncle, after that Darrell Uzkatagai fight, assaulted Uzkatagai, right? So she went far beyond what Devin Haney's done. But people really need to get a hold of her. Dimitri Salida and, and her manager. Clarissa's management need to get a hold of her and rein that shit in. Right now, that's what we need with Devin Haney. His people need to get a hold of him and say, look, slow down with this shit. You look at wh- where he was before this whole quarantine thing started with fight fans and where he is now. There's a small niche community of fight fans, the LDBC, that like Haney a lot more after racializing everything. But outside of them, and maybe they'll buy his pay-per-views in the future. Maybe they'll stream it for free. I don't know. I can never know that. Neither can you. Only they'll know. But outside of that small group of people, everyone else, including people of all ethnicities, all backgrounds, are kind of looking at this kid like, shut up and get in the ring and fight someone and earn your fucking title and quit bitching. Dude, you got paid a million dollars to fight on an undercard against a journeyman. You got a title over email. You're doing pretty good for 21 years old, having fought nobody and accomplished nothing. You're doing pretty well. Stop bitching. Calm down. It will come to you, dude. It's not going to come overnight. You got to work for it. You got to earn it. Like Floyd Mayweather, the guy that he put in his tweet today, the picture of him and Floyd next to each other, chasing greatness. Dude, when Floyd was 21, he was shutting the hell up and working. Say what you will about Floyd the last 10 years of his career. The first decade of Floyd's career, he was the motherfucking truth. That dude was a monster at 130 and 135. He he didn't fight everybody, but he fought a lot of them. He fought most of them. And we'll bring up Floyd later because this is the 18-year anniversary of that fight with Jose Luis Castillo, which a lot of people feel he lost. We'll talk about that later, but... Dude, Floyd earned every dollar, every dollar with that work he put in early on. It just so happens he was being represented by top rank and the evil, quote unquote, Bob Arum at the time. And that's who built him up into who he became. But we won't mention that. It wasn't Al Heyman. He went to Al Heyman much later on. Anyway, these young guys have to stop trying to think that they could just jump in and be Floyd tomorrow. They idolized the guy, and I get it. He's made a lot of money, but he earned it over years of hard work 
And prior to moving to 140, the dude really, really fought some killers and did pretty damn well for the most part. North of 140, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a manicured career. I get it, okay? He still did pretty damn good. But that dude, say what you will about Floyd, outstanding promoter, one of the hardest workers in the sport, lived in the gym 365. These young guys want to just jump in and do what Floyd did at 21? Slow down, dude. Slow down. That's what I'd be telling Devin Haney right now. Okay. Uh, we got a few calls I'm going to jump to in just a second. But let me just say, uh, I, want, I took down a few notes because I wanted to make sure I got all this out there because this stuff is so sensitive for people. My personal views, because some of you have asked me about this. I'm not offended by this shit. Like I said before, I grew up hearing much worse every single day from my friends, from my coaches, from the people I trusted, okay? Because that's the community I lived in. So what Devin Haney is saying, it is unfortunately a viewpoint that some people have. And it's, it's look, I'll just say this, okay? I've had black boxing coaches that were training me right? Black coaches pull me aside and say, Mike, you have to understand when you spar a black kid, they're going to go twice as hard at you. This is what they said, not me. Okay. Before some of you out there on Twitter, jump on me. They told me, Mike, because of your light skin and the way you look, they're going to go after you twice as hard. And you have to understand that because if you beat them, they may not feel this way, but some of their peers may give them extra shit for getting beat by you. I was told that by my basketball coaches. I was told, look, when someone's d up on you, dude, they're going to fucking slap you in the nuts. They're going to elbow you in the stomach. They're going to fucking punch you in the ribs. When you're going for a rebound, they're going to get dirty with you because if you show them up, they're going to get dissed. It's not their fault, but that's just the way it is. So I think Devin Haney probably has heard some of that shit growing up in the gym, especially if he's idolizing guys like Floyd and stuff, where that rhetoric is very common in that gym, okay? It just is. So do I think he hates Caucasian people or white people, whatever he thinks white people are? No, I don't think that. Do I think the guy is racist? No, he's a kid. He said something stupid. We've all said something stupid. So does this offend me? Am I losing sleep over it? No. What I have said, and what I continue to say, I don't like the double standard. I don't like that there is a group of people out there, of all races, by the way, but people that pretty much run our society, people that run the media, Hollywood, the social media tech platforms, all those things, that feel that Devin Haney and the other 13% of the United States population that is black, black people, African-American, whatever term you want to use, can say anything with impunity. And there should be no repercussions because of the historical significance of all these different things and what happened back in the day, blah, 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 blah. And everyone else, the other 87% of the population, to varying degrees, depending on what your demographic is, has to bite their lip and hold back their words. I don't agree with that shit. I look at everyone as my equal. I don't give a damn what part of the world you're from. You are my brother. You are my sister. I don't think you are inferior or superior to me at all. I look at you like what you say, I'm holding you to the same standard as everybody else. That's how I look at it. So I don't give a shit if, let's say, I'm trying to think of a 21-year-old white prospect. If Ryan Garcia, 
Okay, and some of you say, he's not white, he's Mexican. Mexican is in the race. I guarantee you if Ryan Garcia took a DNA test, the majority of his DNA is European, Caucasian. Sorry, but that's the truth. If Ryan Garcia, who's right around the age of Devin Haney, said, I'll never lose to a black fighter. I'll never lose to a black fighter. He'd be getting a lot of shit right now. Billy Joe Saunders said some stupid shit a couple weeks back, right? A couple weeks back, or hell, maybe it was a month ago. I can't remember. But if he said he said some stupid shit and he got suspended by the BBB of C and all this, I was watching Sports Center last week, and that little ticker on the bottom of the screen, it mentioned, you know, it will mention like sport. It'll say football, then it expands and it gives you football news, then basketball it expands, gives you basketball news. It had boxing, it expanded, and it talked about Billy Joe Saunders. And I was like, this shit with Billy Joe Saunders, a guy who doesn't fight on ESPN and has zero fan base in this country, that's making ESPN? Seriously? Does Do any of you think this Devin Haney shit's going to make ESPN? No, it's not. So there is a double standard. And if you deny that there's a... And by the way, I'm not, I'm not denying that there's history here. And that things have different weights, okay? But this is the 21st century. Devin Haney's a pretty privileged person. He is among the one top 100th of 1% of wealthiest people on earth. If you look at how much money he has compared to the rest of the human, human race, okay? He is very wealthy and privileged compared to the rest of the world, including people of all backgrounds. He should be held to the same damn standard. Saying all that, having said all that, this shit don't offend me one iota, and I'm not going to lose a minute of sleep over it, and you shouldn't either, okay? Let's not deny that there's a double standard here, but let's not, at the same time, let's not hold this against this kid forever. He's 21 years old and said something stupid. I've said plenty of things that I realize later on, uh, I've tweeted things, whatever, that I realize later on, okay, I could see how this would offend somebody. I could see how my attempt at humor or my attempt at being poignant or ironic could be interpreted as an offensive tweet by somebody with a particular worldview. Gee, I wish I had said that differently. I wish I could take that one back. I wish that I could have worded it differently or just not tweeted it at all, right? I realize things about myself, you know, things that I've tweeted and said. And I just think that for Devin Haney, a year or so from now, this is probably one he's going to look at and say, yeah, I want to walk that one back. I probably wish I could take that one back. Other than that, everyone needs to get the hell over it and relax. By the way, if it were, if we were in COVID time right now, I think that this wouldn't even be a big news story. I just don't think it would. Let's go to the phones, man. Uh, 447, you're on the neutral corner. Go. Hello, Mike. Uh, it's Amit. How's it going? Amit. Hey, man. How you doing? I thought you might call in today over this one. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I was going to call in because I seen you had a show lined up, but it's a bit later than they expected. I wasn't going to get into too much of this because I think you pretty much covered it all. I will say one thing, though. I think some people, there will be double standards on both sides. Some people don't they don't like Devin Haynes because they were really big fans of Lomachenko. Nothing wrong with that. Although now they got a reason to dislike him or hate him. I do think what he said was wrong, obviously. I'm not going to defend that. I don't personally think... I don't know if... It's hard to say personally if that's in his intention. I think it was more of a 
employee, maybe the platform he was on could have been something to do with it because I think he's kind of he's kind of becoming those one of those uh, fighters that's getting desperate now for spotlight. And I think yeah. this could have been a controversial way of going about it. I don't think it's the right way. I think his dad or someone should have, you know, warned him about it because we've seen what Wilder tried doing a couple of uh, weeks, uh, months ago, and we've seen how it backfired. So I don't personally think it's a good way, but I do think there is a double standard because a lot of people keep bringing up Kovalev and Kovalev did have some, uh, what's it called, uh, a lot of controversial situations outside the the ring race related and that, but people keep using that as a scapegoat for this. Like this is, this is completely different to what happened with Kovalev and uh, that's one thing I don't understand. Like, uh, like if the, if basically if Billy Joe Saunders had said something like this, we've seen what he's getting already punished for. I think there would be a lot a bigger backlash already, and I think It'd some people uh, some people are defended Davinia. That's where I think there's a big problem. I agree with you, Ahmed. And look, the people that have to bring up Sergey Kovalev or or will will try to find some example of a quote-unquote white guy doing something like this. What Sergey Kovalev did was a little different. I don't defend some of his rhetoric and some of his comments, but there is a cultural thing there and a uh, language barrier issue there. And what he said was not, it was just a different situation. So while I don't condone it, now, and the whole thing with Adana Stevenson, there's two sides of that story as well. Adana Stevenson actually started that by referring to Sergey Kovalev and comparing him to an ape or a monkey or something, or an orangutan, I don't know what, some kind of monkey. I don't know which kind. Yeah. A chimp, I don't know. And and Sergey Kovalev retaliated and everyone went nuts with him. Look, the people that do that, it just reveals their own bias. Two wrongs do not make a right. It is okay to say that what Devin Haney said was stupid, but I must reiterate, it wasn't. I don't consider it a racial slur. I think in some context, white boy can be a racial slur, depending on how you're using it. I do think that um, it, it just context I, I think matters. It's the way he used it is the way he used it. Like if someone was to say, "I'll never let a black boy or I'll never let I don't know a Muslim beat me" or something like that. The thing is, you I know Muslims. Uh, that's not a religion, but like I don't know, say an Arab or something like that, or someone who's the mixed race or cocaine, the way he used it, he's interjecting race. So that's where I think the problem is. Uh, on the flip side, I think some people do need to just calm down there because I like him. He is 21. Maybe he might regret it. Maybe it wasn't in his intention. I personally think he should try and apologize, take that back because that's not the way you should be going about it. But the platform he's on, I think he's kind of maybe catering to that sort of demographic but I'm not sure like it's tough to say what his intention was I think he's trying to get a fight to Lomachenko and he's trying to do everything in his possible way I just don't think that's the right way to do it I don't either and look Guillermo Rigondeau he didn't because he he uh, he doesn't run his Twitter account but the person that ran his Twitter account was a member of the Cuban media and he brought up race when they were trying to bait Lomachenko as well I just think that's the wrong way to go about it. There's a million ways that you could get a fight going. And the, again, the kid's 21. He needs to slow down. This is a slow process, slow build. There is zero rush. 
slow down, dude. Don't use other people's names to build up your name. I want to hit on something you hit yeah. on, though, Hamed. Um, I, I, I do think that, you know, context matters in, in the way that you are correct in the sense that some people can interpret what Devin Haney said as a racial superiority type of comment because yeah. I'm not necessarily saying I feel this way, but some people might because him saying I'll never lose to a fill in the blank, whatever it is, is some people may interpret it as saying black people are better than this group. Therefore, I as a black person will never lose to this group. And some people may say, oh, he's a black supremacist. He was on a black supremacist YouTube channel. What was he doing there in the first place? You know, uh, is he a fan of that channel? Is that why he went on there? So I agree with you that this there le- it leaves a lot up to interpretation. But again, yeah. the kid's 21. I think that we should give him a chance to, you know, walk this back. And young people say young, or young people say stupid things, you know. So I, I was going to say, I agree with that. Like, that's why I was saying. Uh, the thing I wanted to call about was about the whole WBC situation. Because I know a lot of people are big fans of Lomachenko. I myself, I'm a fan as well. But obviously, I'm a boxing fan first. I think Devin Haney took a lot of stick, which wasn't his fault. And at the same time, he kind of went about it the wrong way. And uh, I, to my knowledge, Campbell was going to fight Lomachenko. Now, they were going to fight for the WBA and WBO and ring belts. The WBC came in and they said, we're going to make this for the vacant WBC belt. Once they did that, I think from there on in, I, 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 you can't blame Lomachenko because once you put the belt on the line, he's won it outright. Now, what they did after that was very bad because they made him, I think, into some sort of franchise champion. And then they put the belt on the line vacant for the regular belt for Devonini. And I believe it was one of the guys he fought. I can't remember his name. That's where I think there was a problem. They should have just let either... I really don't think they should have put it on the line for Lomachenko and uh, Devin Haney, uh, not Devin Haney, Luke Campbell, because that wasn't the same as when Golovkin was the interim champion to Canelo. This was a bit different. To my knowledge, I don't think Lomachenko, I don't think he was a mandatory challenger for that belt. Uh, I, I believe he might have had some sort of diamond reel, but I don't know. To me, here's my, here's the, my issue with the WBC situation. Then, Hamad, I got to let you go because I got a bunch of calls, man. Um, the WBC knew just like everyone else in the boxing world knew what top rank and Lomachenko's plans were. They were going to unify the lightweight division and fight the winner between Tiafima Lopez and Richard Comey next. That was the plan. And the WBC knew that. They approved all these unification fights. So for them to ruin all that with this whole situation with these two belts, I thought that was really egregious and it just screwed up a really great situation. If you want to make him franchise champion, cool, but wait until the unification fight, then do it, then give Haney the vacant title if that's what you want to do. But don't screw up the unification for everybody. All right, uh, Hamed, I got a bunch of calls, yeah, brother. All right, I got to let you go, my all friend. Right, all right, thanks. Sir. Have a good night, man. All right, you too. Okay, we're going to get to one more call real quick, and then we're going to bring our guest on. I see that our guests are on the line. But let me jump to one call real quick. He's been on the line for a, a while here. Uh, seven seven three. You're on the neutral corner. Go. Uh, what's up, Mike? Um, yeah. As far as this, Devin Haney, I can't say I'm surprised. When it comes to the offended angle, no, I'm not offended because I'm not surprised. Um, when it comes to boxing, this is just 
This is just um, this is the way it is in boxing. You man, you go to any boxing gym, and it's not a room full of Boy Scouts. Well, I'll just put it that way. It's not a room full of Boy Scouts. So this is the way they're brought up. This is the way they think. Honestly, I think a lot of them think this way. Um, I know they do because like, they've they've used that rhetoric against me before. I mean, I grew up in the gyms, and this shit, this sort of rhetoric is very commonplace. So sorry to cut you off, but yeah, it's it's how a lot of people feel. It just is what it is. Yeah, yeah, it's how a lot of people feel, and I think a lot of people are trying to give him a pass. Oh, he's young. He's this and that. Go ask um. Do you think Vito Melnecki? He's he's around the same age. He might be even be younger. You think he would ever say something like this? I don't think he would ever even think of saying something like that. I think it's um he's old enough. He's a twenty one year old man. He's not uh a twelve year old child or something. He's a twenty one year old man. He knows better. Um and he got caught saying this and I think the way people are responding to it, saying it's so funny listening to people imply that Lomachenko is privileged. I've heard this so many times <laughs> they go with the white privilege. He is from war-torn Ukraine. Right. Okay. He, Devin Haney is the privileged one in this scenario. Exactly. Lomachenko was born in a in a war. There was a freaking war going on when he was born. Exactly. I mean, the shit he saw on Devin Haney couldn't hold a candle to it, and it's just ridiculous. And people bringing up other scenarios and this and that. It's um, Kovalev. How long was that Kovalev situation? I mean, we got stuff happening. It changes it was, week by I, week. I think it was over a decade ago. So, for, look, when uh, people, when Deontay Wilder was making excuses against Tyson Fury, and I was talking about that on Twitter, there were certain de- Wilder defenders out there bringing up Vladimir Klitschko's loss to Lamont Brewster, which I think was 15 years ago or something. It's, people will try so hard to make these, these equ- false equivalencies and to try to justify their side or people with their political worldview doing something wrong with the opposite side doing something wrong. Two wrongs do not make a right. I completely agree with you that in this particular situation with Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko, Lomachenko's the oppressed person who's had to work much harder to get what Devin Haney has. Devin Haney was born into and has lived and enjoyed much more privilege than Vasily Lomachenko. But unfortunately, we live in a political world now where people don't look at the individual. They look at the collective because that's the way they've been taught by Hollywood, the media, academia. It's the way they've been taught. And Devin Haney is a 21-year-old millionaire who has done nothing as a pro. He did fight Juan Carlos Burgos. Let's give him that. But the guy he fought for his title, which is a paper title, the million-dollar purse he's getting to fight uh, B and C level opposition, the huge deal he signed with Matchroom on the zone. This kid has had a pretty golden path laid out for him. And there are other fighters from other parts of the world, Latin America, Eastern Europe, Africa, uh, Asia, and even other parts of America that have had a much harder road than Devin Haney. So to try to bring what happened 400 years ago into this whole thing, which, by the way, Ukrainians had nothing to do with. But to bring all that, who knows if Devin Haney's family was involved in any of that stuff or not, we don't know. To bring that kind of stuff into it is just pathetic and stupid. This is 2020, people. Let's focus on what's happening right now. I'll let you have the last word, brother, but, uh, and then i got to let you go. Okay, yeah, my last point is, um, as far as his YouTube channel goes, I mean, this is the thing. I think a lot of people think... Um, these YouTube channels, the, the new media, the LDBC, I think they think that's the real world. 
And so they they say this shit, and um, they think, oh, it's fine. I'm just I'm saying I'm on YouTube. This guy says on his YouTube channel, my other friend, he says on his YouTube channel, he's gonna they're gonna mess with this dude's money, Devin Haney, oh, yeah. because eventually he may get away with this time and that time, but keep it up with his narrative, and he's gonna start messing with his money because the little your little YouTube shows and new media, that's not the real world. You live in your they live in their little bubbles, and they're all a little circle jerk with their little. Uh, black supremacy narratives. It's just I'm surprised that YouTube hasn't banned some of their channels, honestly, because there's a lot of channels that got shut off for a lot less than the shit they say. Some the, I watch some of their channels just to get a rise out of them, and it's ridiculous. Some of the shit they say, it's it's just blading over the top. But I'll leave you to it. Let's take my call, Mike. All right, thanks a lot, man. And but I agree with a lot of that sentiment. And look, I don't want to beat up on anyone's YouTube channel and their platform, but there are certain YouTube channels out there, and you guys know which ones, that really are dedicated to pushing this extremist, divisive narrative. I'm not talking about somebody that's misspoken once or twice or, or said things and maybe they walked it back. I'm talking about someone that regularly pushes a certain agenda that's divisive and polarizing and, quite frankly, ignorant. And why would you as a fighter want to be associated with any of that? You've already seen PBC, who is in a, in a way financing some of these people at one point, some of these platforms, has now distanced themselves from some of them. They've said, no, you ain't coming to our fights no more, dude. They've cut them out. So if PBC, who was you know taking care of these dudes essentially at one point, if they've had enough to do with them and they're walking out, why would you as a fighter Put yourself uh, anywhere near that. It's just a bad look. It, and I, I need to say this. BoxingScene.com put put this story out there. And, and I like Keith Idek. He, he's a good reporter. He's worked in the business for decades. He does a fantastic job. But he posted this piece about this whole Devin Haney situation. And he posted the quotes. And I get why he did it from a financial perspective. But he also gave that channel a platform and a voice on a reputable boxing news site. And that's a mistake, dude. That's a mistake to, to take this. Per he, he named the channel and he put it there on boxing scene and gave them a platform. Now this person spitting this ignorant rhetoric can tell their followers we're legit. We're on boxing scene. That was a mistake, Keith. And I would say it right to Keith's face. And I like Keith. He does a fantastic job. But I think that was a massive mistake on his part. Uh, okay, guys, let's get to our guest here. Let's switch topics. Let's talk about some positive, fun stuff. Let's, uh, let's see. Let me get both these guys on the line here. So we have Felipe Leon and Renzo Novara of Boxing Tijuana on the show. Gentlemen, can you hear me? Yes, Michael. How you doing? This is Felipe. Felipe, doing well, my friend. Renzo, can you hear me? Renzo. Okay, we can't. We don't have Renzo. Renzo, you're on the line, but I, I don't. I was on mute. Oh, maybe you're How's on. How's it going, Michael? Oh, there. Hi, Felipe. <laughs> hey, man, I've done that a million times. <laughs> How you doing, fellas? Yep. All right. Good. Well, good. How you doing, good, Michael? Good. good. All right. So it sounds like we have a slight delay in the phone. So I apologize to people watching live. But guys, um, I want. I to... was just waiting for Felipe to talk, but oh, we'll okay. do that again. Okay, uh, well, I wanted to ask you guys, we'll talk about a few different things here, but I wanted to ask you about the COVID-19 situation 
uh, down there in Tijuana. Mm. And I know you guys go back and forth, I think, between San Diego and Tijuana. And if you could talk, well, first of all, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about what you guys do. I know you do uh, Boseo Tijuana TV. You also do a podcast. Uh, you have an awesome site. You guys need to check out their website. I'll post it in a, a pinned comment on this video. But their site is awesome. They have all kinds of content. If you guys could talk a little bit about your background, what you do at Boseo Tijuana, and then if you could get into the COVID situation down there a little bit. Go ahead, Felipe. Oh, well, um, well, with me, I started in, in the boxing business, if you want to call it that, as an international editor for FightNews.com years and years ago. I covered the San Diego slash Tijuana uh, territory for uh, Fight News, and then I would go up to uh, L.A. every so often and even Vegas and farther down into Mexico. Um, then about, I would say about five, six years ago, I met Renzo here in Tijuana, and we decided to join forces and start the website, BoxeoTijuana.com, and then that led to a podcast, and then that led to um, uh, the the webcast that we do now in Spanish. Uh, we were covering a lot of the fights down here in Tijuana, um, specifically for, like, the Tijuana audience, but then we started kind of going more in a general boxing direction, uh, a little while after that, and that's what we've been concentrating now, more just like on general boxing, but in Spanish, which it's not a market that a lot of people have uh, touched on. There is a, a site that, uh, an actual webcast that's been on uh, for decades, and, and Renzo could tell you a little bit more about that. They're out of like Nicaragua or Central America like that. But other than that, I think that we are the ones that have been doing it the longest in, in Spanish. Very cool. Renzo, anything to add? Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> we've been doing this for a few years uh, now. Like Felipe said, um, I met him online. Um, I knew he was a writer for Fight News, and I uh, really wanted to do something in boxing. I've been a boxing fan since I was a little kid. Um, remember uh, a, a very vivid story that I've told Felipe uh, many times and actually told him on, on the YouTube uh uh, show that we do and um, it was basically I was watching I really wanted to watch the first De La Hoya versus Julio Cesar Chavez senior fight um, this is back in what 95 I believe was the first fight and um, I was a little kid um, I was a little kid I couldn't get into we didn't have anything this is back in Rosarito when I grew up and I remember asking my parents to go find me a way to go watch the fight at a bar. Uh, so they did. Um, they bought tickets for, for this uh, fight at a bar. And, well, once you know, everybody knows what happened uh, during that fight. Um, the actual bar became a brawl in there, <laughs> and people were throwing drinks and everything because everybody was pissed off. There was this one. I remember, I remember very vividly. There was one American with American flag on it screaming for, Oscar de la Hoya, oh, and everybody else was Mexican. So <laughs> just imagine what happened there. I just remember docking for cover, my mom freaking out. My dad was like, what the hell is going on? They've never been to any boxing event or anything. And uh, I was I was in heaven. I'm like, yeah. You, you were know, hooked this, at this that is, point. This is the boxing scene. So nobody got injured, but uh, that was my introduction to, I guess, the live event of uh, boxing back then. Uh, and then uh, moving forward, we've been doing this for a few years now. We we have this uh, YouTube channel where 
uh, during the course of a week, we do several shows live. Uh, we have guest people call, call in. Uh, we connected with the uh, Gatsensinas and Miguel Angel Cebreros. Uh, they used to work for ESPN and had the the number one, what then it turned out to be a video uh, portion of the audio show, um, uh, A Los Golpes. Uh, that was the radio show from ESPN boxing right. on the radio. And unfortunately, they're, they're not working there anymore. So they joined forces with us and we have it there on Fridays and uh, do everything related to boxing. So it's been really fun. Awesome. 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 Well, um, this is the 18 year anniversary of the first fight between Floyd Mayweather and Jose Luis Castillo. So I wanted to get both of your opinions on that fight. I figure you guys have a pretty strong opinion on that fight. Who do you think won? How did you score it? Jump in, one of you. <laughs> go ahead, Red, go ahead. Well, it's pretty obvious. Floyd, well, no, no, Floyd. Castillo won that fight. It's plain and simple. Um, <laughs> you know, you can easily uh, see what happened during the fight and see that Castillo coming in was a very, very good fighter that, that Floyd really struggled throughout the fight. And uh, it's just one of those things when, when you see what happened in the first fight and you unfortunately see what happened on the second fight, and then uh, later on with the career of Castillo, he's never gotten really the credit of, 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 you know, in the eyes of most people, beating Floyd Mayweather Jr., putting out the blueprint to try to, you know, beat him later on, which never really happened. But uh, to me, it was pretty obvious that uh, Jose Luis Castillo won that fight. I don't uh, remember what my scorecard uh, was, but it's pretty obvious to me that, that he did a really, really good job on beating Floyd. And unfortunately, the judges were seeing something else. Yeah, I agree with Renzo. I mean, it's been a while that I, I watched the fight and, and, and scored it. Um, I tend not to really go back and watch that many fights. I kind of like like to see them in the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've seen it. I, I agree with Renzo that Jose Luis Castillo won the fight. I mean, it wasn't as blatantly obvious as maybe we might remember. I mean, it was a close fight. And the fact that Floyd was able to win the rematch in a more convincing manner kind of leans more towards his claim that, you know, that maybe he wasn't the, the right guy that night against Julio Cesar, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Jose Luis Castillo the night of the first, uh, the first fight. But if somebody can even say that they even sent Mayweather down to the canvas, it's Castillo since Mayweather touched the glove on the canvas and it was ruled a knockdown. So at least he had that claim to fit. You're right, he does. Uh, Zab Judah technically should have got credit for a knockdown too. Um, you know, we skipped over mm. this, but I wanted to know, it, just the, the I, everybody that I have on, I have guests from all over the world. The one thing I've just been asking them recently is the, the situation with COVID-19, the coronavirus, the quarantine. What's it like there in San Diego versus Tijuana? Is there a difference when you cross the border, just the way it's being discussed in the media? You know, with Mexican media versus American media. I just was curious about your your point of view on that whole thing. Oh, um, well, um, it's, it's a ahead, yeah, it's a, it's a very touchy subject. Uh, yeah. I have a really really good friend of mine who right now is fighting for his life, uh, connected to a ventilator. Uh, this is basically my best friend, and it's been rough couple of weeks uh, to say the least um it and that opened up a lot of uh information that unfortunately is not being 
put out in the media about how bad the situation is in hospitals. The numbers that Mexico and, and also, you know, the U.S. and certain other countries, uh, those are not the real numbers. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the background when uh, people are dying from, from COVID-19 and they're saying it's pneumonia and that's what they're writing down on their death certificates. Um, the situation in the hospitals here is it's really bad and it's only getting worse and it's supposed to get worse in the next few weeks or so. So um, it, it just depends. Uh, there's a lot of people in Mexico that don't believe it's true. And there's a lot of people that are actually doing their thing and they're staying home. Uh, unfortunately, the situation in Mexico is not the same in the U.S. as far as you know, having most people being able to stay home and, and, and still, you know, keep their families uh, safe and, and with food and money, because a lot of people have to work. Uh, you know, it's a day to day paycheck, the paycheck kind of deal. So it's 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 a hard thing to think about. How can you tell everybody to stay home where and if some of them, if they do, they won't be able to feed their family. So I understand that part. The part that I do not understand is the people that still try to go out there. Yesterday, just here around my block, there was a party, full-on party. And the police took – yeah, it's, it's insane. I mean, us, my neighbors, everybody that stays inside, that we've been bonkered down here for the last month, are, are, are really telling the cops, go do your job. And, and sometimes they don't, sometimes they do. So it's a, it's, it's a really interesting situation. Things in California – uh, obviously, California was, you know, they, they, they shot, essentially shut down, uh, you know, was the, I believe was the first uh, state in the U.S. that did that. And, and things have gotten a little bit better as opposed to other places in the U.S., other uh, states in the U.S. But in Mexico, it's just we can't rely on what the numbers that they're telling us. So the uh, situation, I think it's, it's going to get really bad. And if people don't do their thing and, you know, just try to stay home as much as possible and just go out for essential things. Um, I just don't know how bad it's going to get in the next couple of months or so. Well, one thing that is different between Tijuana and the United States is the economy. You know, I mean, a lot of people in San Diego have the ability to stay home. I have the ability to stay home. I've been in quarantine for almost a month. Um, but in Mexico, they don't. A lot of the people don't have that luxury because they live day by day, and those are the people that are having real trouble staying home. But on the other hand, the people that have had the chance to stay home, they don't. Like with what uh, Renzo was mentioning about the parties, and I've heard that there's a clandestine uh, or underground bars that are opening up all over the city where people are going there and drinking, uh, you know, in short, you know, drinking in houses and illegal bars and. And, and, and businesses, restaurants that are supposed to be closed and they're opening the back door and people going in there. So Mexico is a whole different other animal. And like I agree with Renzo, we just don't know how, how bad it's going to get. And us being in, in the border, you know, California can open up somewhat in the next couple of weeks and, um, because the numbers have gone down. But so when we go over there, we'll have some kind of liberty or freedom. But then when we come back home to Tijuana, we might be in a bigger lockdown than we are right now because things are, the numbers are so much different between one side of the border uh, and the other. Yeah. <coughs> and, and again, just yeah. to not to, to um, say one more thing is that I'm very lucky that I'm still able to work and, and get money uh, because of the type of job I do. I can do it online. That's not a problem. 
unfortunately, a lot of people here in Mexico don't have that luxury. I'm very, very lucky that I'm still able to work and do what I can do. But others don't do that. They can't do that. So I understand that part. Again, the people that have to go out there that have to maybe sell food or, or do stuff like that and trying to do it in a safe manner. But the idiots who go out and actually, you know, keep on going, having a party, it's just insane. I mean, they're, they're just not thinking about their neighbors. They're not thinking about their families, their elderly, uh, you know, family members. It's, it's really bad. And, and uh, we just have to pray that things don't get as bad as they're saying it's going to get. I agree. I agree. And I agree with your sentiments that some people have to go out and work. I mean, my hometown of Detroit, it's a very blue collar town. Most people either work for themselves or they work, you know, for contracts. It's working with your hands. That's how most of my family is, where there are plumbers, there are uh, electricians, <clears throat> they work in factories. And if they're not going to work, they're not getting paid. So it's difficult. Uh, speaking of the media, you brought up, Renzo, the, the Mexican media. I wanted to ask both of you the main differences between, in your opinion, between the Mexican boxing media and the American boxing media, because you kind of dabble on both sides, right? And you're, you're heavily invested, of course, in the Mexican fight media. So I'm curious what you would say are some of the biggest differences between the two. Well, I mean, the differences are the same differences between societies in the United States and in Mexico. You know, the United States, you know, you know as well as I, we do, Michael, is that to get a credential, um, you basically have to, you know, put an application, wait for them to respond to it, and then they either say yes or no, and then if they say yes, it all depends on where you're going to sit, if you're going to sit in the first couple uh, of rows, or they're going to send you to auxiliary, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Same as if you're going to get anything in the United States, you have to go through proper channels. In Mexico and in the Mexican boxing media, that doesn't exist. There's no, there's no application. You just show up to the door, tell them with the meet with the, with the media, and if the guy at the door believes you, he lets you in. If not, you got to call the contact from the promoter, and he has to come to the door and get you, and then they show you to your place, and you sit down and you watch the fight. Now, if it's a bigger fight, which Renzo and I have had the the uh, the opportunity to attend, we even went once in Mexico City when um um uh, who fought there it was uh, Luis Neri. And uh, on different bouts, obviously, and then Gallito Estrada, and those was a little bit bigger in a bigger arena. Um, and I just, I do, I, I know somebody in the Sanfer uh, organization very, very well. And all I have to do is make a phone call, and he gets me the credentials. Um, but it's basically just like society: who you know, and who's going to get you to the front of the line. Just like you know, the difference between anything in Mexico and the United States. Interesting. Interesting. I didn't know that. I did not realize that. Um, we have a question from Twitter. John Uden, uh, who always asks great questions here on the show, he wanted to know your guys' opinion on Burchelt versus Valdez. He says, uh, Valdez, his style will make it an all-action fight, but I can't see him winning. How much do you think the heavy hands of Burchelt takes out of Valdez in the long term? Of course, he's talking about Miguel Burchelt and Oscar Valdez. Valdez is working in San Diego with the Reynosos with that great camp that they're building there. I personally think that the more time that goes by before that fight happens, I do think it benefits Valdez because that gives him more time with 
with Reynoso to work on things and fine-tune things. He's trying to slow him down. But what do you guys think about that matchup? If and when it happens, who do you favor and why? Renzo? Well, I agree with you, Michael. I believe uh, Eddie Reynoso has a very good camp. He's he's uh, he's a great trainer. He's been he's an historian of boxing uh, of, uh, here in Mexico, and he's done great things with Canelo. Now we need to see it also with other fighters, and I think Oscar Valdez has he has a lot of tools, but they need to stop him from just brawling and going 100 percent on every single punch. That's right. something that I believe. Uh, Eddie Reynoso needs to work with him um, because he, he's a brawler, he's a fighter, and and he really wants to go out there and give it a hundred percent. But uh, he needs to just pace his, himself down. Uh, but uh, I, I like him, but I believe that uh, it, it's not more about the power that Bertel has. But I, I think Oscar Valdez, with a very uh, like like you said, with more time with with Eddie Reynoso, they they will they will be able to work a little bit more on his boxing. And, and timing, and as long as he doesn't go out there and look for a knockout on every single punch, he can probably outbox and and uh, compete at a higher level with Benichez. I think that uh, I don't know if the extra time is going to help him because I think Miguel Benichez at 130 pounds is um, just bigger and stronger than Oscar Valdez is. Uh, at that weight, um, yeah. and the way that Oscar Valdez kind of had had to revert back to his quote unquote original style in his last fight when things started getting a little bit complicated uh, with that blue nose kid, I think it, it's going to happen in this fight as well. I don't think it's going to be enough. I think Miguel Valdez is going to push him to a certain extent that's going to make him revert back, and it's just going to that's just going to be. Uh, what Berche wants because the more aggressive Valdez is, the better uh, chances are for Berche. And Berche, although Reynoso is the uh, top of the town right now, Berche does work with a good uh, trainer in Caballero out there in Hermosillo, Sonora. So uh, he's, he's getting some results out of Berche and Estrada and a couple other fighters that he has out there in Hermosillo. So uh, I think he's working with a good uh, a good trainer as well. And he's you know got a great promoter too that knows what they're doing and they understand matchmaking. They seem to be confident. Top Rank seems to be confident in that matchup, so they must see something in Burchell. But I mean, Felipe, I agree with you that uh, Burchell is just a bigger, stronger guy, and I just wonder how much that will play into that fight. I want to ask you guys about something uh, kind of controversial. So if you don't want to touch this subject, I totally understand that we can skip over it. But Canelo Alvarez, I wanted to ask, number one, how he is viewed in Mexico with the mainstream media down there. And I've noticed that Canelo and some other Mexican fighters from Mexico do not want to speak English with the American fight press. And I think that Canelo could be twice as big as he is if he spoke English here in America because he could do what Manny Pacquiao did and, and other fighters from different countries that came here, learned English, and started doing more mainstream American media shows, going on the late shows, uh, going on SportsCenter, on ESPN, that sort of thing. And Canelo seems uh, reluctant to do that. But I have spoken with several uh, Mexican trainers, Mexican fighters, members of the fight media down there that have told me 
Sometimes it is held against a Mexican fighter if they speak English. Have you guys ever heard that or seen that? And I'm just curious where that dynamic started, if it's something that you've noticed before. Is that really a thing? Because I've been told that exists. You want to crack at it? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll answer. Well, um, I've been a big um, critic of fighters, of Mexican fighters or Latin American fighters that have not made an effort to speak English. And not just so much because of the United States market, but a worldwide market. Because if you speak exactly. English, it, it means that, you know, also Europe might be able to communicate with you and other parts of the world. You know, because English is a more of a universal language per se. I mean, a lot more people speak English or try to speak English as a second language or whatever the case may be. Years and years ago, when um, Chocolatito Gonzalez was trying to get a million dollars for the rematch for Estrada, I, I got a lot of flack on our show in Spanish uh, for saying that if he didn't speak English, he wasn't going to get that million dollars because they weren't able... <laughs> They weren't going to be able to promote that fight. They weren't going to be able to promote that fight the way that they should to be able to generate that type of purse for, for Chocolatito. And I got a lot of flack for that. Nicaragua fans of our show came after me uh, pretty hard. Um, but I, I completely agree with it. Um, you know, they have to make an effort. And a lot of them have. Canelo has to a certain extent. Pereira. Miguel Cotto did at the... Yeah, Miguel Cotto did at the at the end of his uh, right. uh, career. Chavez Jr. very brokenly has tried to do it, um, but uh, but I think that it's a big part of what they need to do to get the bigger purses that they're looking for, despite having the big uh, Hispanic audience in, in Mexico. Because now you gotta switch over to that non-Hispanic. You already got the Hispanic. You gotta switch over and get that non-Hispanic, and the more that it can relate to you with, with what you say, the better it's going to be for you. Now, as far as fighters getting flack from the Mexican audience or the Mexican media for speaking in English, I personally have never seen it. I, I've never seen any criticism of, of anybody saying, well, that he's trying to be white or he's trying to, you know, cater to them because he's speaking English. I've Agreed. never seen that. You know, people see, people know that they're trying to do what they can to get their message across. I think the thing about Canelo is that he's made. I mean, he's he's done. He doesn't need to speak English, unfortunately, for him. Um, you know, I've I've been with Canelo uh, at camp, interview him, and the thing with Canelo is that he's a very good fighter. He's a very talented fighter. He's grown up a lot uh, boxing-wise in the last few years. Everybody knows that. Okay, uh, there's there's he's a very polarizing fighter though in in the in the mexican way style of fighting and he doesn't have that charisma and he doesn't care he's said it many many times that's the way i am um there's a you know there's he's been in uh in uh, uh, twitter wars with uh david Feitelson, which is a a, a very recognizable uh, reporter a mexican oh, yeah. reporter I've, I've seen that. and yeah. i've seen those tweets yeah and and he was one time after all of that happened where there was a lot of back and forth and things were said, uh, you know, he actually went into the ESPN show because they do a show up in L.A. ESPN in Spanish uh, um, has uh, offices in L.A. He was there live 
they were going at it. And the thing is that Canelo said in that show, I don't, I don't really care what people think about me. I am who I am. If you don't like the way I talk and my attitude, that's your problem. I do the talking inside the boxing ring. I agree that Canelo Alvarez, Canelo Alvarez with everything that he has going as far as the market-wise, uh, how good of a fighter he is, and all of that. And he, if he would you know, try to go out and speak English and, and open up a little, a little bit more to the world, because you're totally right, and I agree with Felipe. Um, English, it's, it's the world language. And so if, if Canelo would have done that, I'm sure that he would be twice as popular as he is, you know, other places. He's well known. He's made a lot of money, but he has that, that he doesn't think that he has to do anything else, you know, and he doesn't have to please somebody. You can see it. I've been interviewing Canelo in the past. And one, one thing is the Canelo, when you turn on the camera and you start talking to him about boxing, there's a little bit of a, a switch that goes on when that oh, yeah. happens, as opposed to the Canelo, when the cameras are not on. You know, he's, he, he's way more <laughs> friendly and stuff. And then Felipe has known it because they, you know, they don't like, I don't understand that thing. It, it's kind of like the charisma that Chavez Sr. always had. And that's why he liked, and, and people like that, that kind of a, a persona in, in the Mexican fighting. It's not only about the style, because we all know Canelo doesn't necessarily have that brawler that, you know, going all the way in. And, and, and like they say it in Spanish, Maurice and La Raya to die right there at the boxing ring. But on top of that, he doesn't have that charming charisma. So I think that's why Canelo is a polarizing figure. And there's a lot of people in, in Mexico that like him. There's a lot of people that also don't like him. But it is what it is. He's the face of boxing. And, right. that's, a, and that's the difference between a, a Chavez Jr. Who, who, quite honestly, I mean, we can all agree that he shouldn't be boxing anymore. I mean, he's really left. He's really... I mean, maybe not boxing at this level. We're getting all this popularity. I mean, that guy sold out that Phoenix Arena against Daniel Jacobs because it right. wasn't Daniel Jacobs. Let me tell right. you that right. in Phoenix. And um, and why do people keep falling when every time? And I include I include myself as one of the ones that that follow him. You know. And um, no, really. Why do we keep? <laughs> why do we keep? Why do we keep doing it? Because because the guy's likable, even though he's on Instagram saying wearing these crazy outfits and saying these crazy things, he's a likable guy. I've been around both guys. You know, I've been around both guys plenty of times. And if you ask me who I'd rather have a beer with at the bar, and you'll probably oh, yeah. have it with me, it's Chavez, it's Chavez Jr. Yeah, of course. Well, it's the same thing with Adrian Broner. I mean, he says stupid things. He does awful things. But he's such a character. I'd have a beer with Adrian Broner. It'd be hilarious. You know, it'd be fun. Uh, guys, unfortunately... My phone is about to die, so I'm going to have to let you go in a minute. But before I do, uh, please let everybody know where they can find your stuff, your YouTube channel, your Twitter, your site. Please give everybody your information. So the main website to go to is it's basically our channel, YouTube channel. Find us. Uh, it's in Spanish, so Boxeo or Boxeo, uh, if you pronounce it in English, Boxeo Tijuana. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do live shows there. People can follow us. We do occasionally have uh, American callers, uh, you know, calling in and listening to the show. They learn a little bit of Spanish while, you know, listening and, and talking boxing. So that's great. So, you know, we can actually, uh, hey, you know, if, if the Mexican fighters will like to speak English, 
then we, we can provide a service. You know, we talk boxing in Spanish and in English. So you guys can all follow us through there. We also have a Boxio Tijuana radio on iTunes and everywhere you can get podcasts. So you can listen to all the shows also on an audio version. Awesome. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. Let's definitely do it again um, when my phone is fully charged and we could talk longer. <laughs> but uh, thank you so much. Stay safe and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. All right, guys. Uh, Maceo Tijuana. All right. We had, I'm having some tech issues right now. Hang on one second, guys. All right. What the hell is going on? I've lost the ability to get to the phone calls. So anyway, guys, we're going to have to wrap the show because um, my phone's dying and um I, I probably got five more minutes left on there anyway. So uh, in closing, let's um, keep perspective on the whole Devin Haney thing. He is a young guy. What he said is stupid. I don't defend it, but if I'm not losing sleep over it, you guys should not as well. I thought we had some very, very interesting points made from Felipe and Renzo. If you guys um, have any more questions for them, let me know and I'll shoot them over to those guys. Um, Cause it's a shame we couldn't have them on longer. I see that you guys, there's several of you on the call on the phone lines right now. I'm sorry. I can't get to your calls. Maybe we could do another show or just a live video later this week because I'm sitting here clicking my, Oh, there we go. Actually, hang on. Oh, I've just got control back. Okay, guys. I don't know how long my phone is going to hold up. I might literally have two minutes left or three minutes left, but I will try to jump to these calls real quick. 852, you're on TNC. Make it quick. Go. Hi, Michael. Yes, 852. Yeah, I can. You're breaking up. Hi, Michael. This is Roberto from Peru. Yes, my friend. It's Roberto from Peru. I'm really happy you can have Juan in there. These guys are hilarious. I really this knowledge from boxing, and I'm happy to miss both finally best shows in Spanish and English. My friend, uh, you're breaking up. You're, I could barely hear you. So uh, give me a call back if you can real quick. Hang up and call right back, okay, because I can't hear you. Your phone was breaking up. I'm going to jump to one more call real quick. 512, you're on TNC. Go. What's up, Mike? How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Is this uh, – is this the- all right. Don Quixote? Uh, yes, it is. Sounds like, hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Uh, I'll try to make it quick. I have like a huge two-part question, though, but fortunately, I mean, fortunately, it'll probably take too long, so I'll try to make it quick. Okay, go for it. I mean, I have How How would you know what fighter, what weight class they would go in? Because I thought this would be a commonly asked question, but out all over the internet, and the only link I could find was from a Q&A with Stephen Redman Edwards on BoxingScene.com, and it took me a while to find. I'm surprised that a question like this isn't really asked that much. What question about weight classes? I didn't. I, I, you must have broke up because I didn't hear it. Oh, like, what? Well, how can a fighter determine what weight class they 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 get into when they start their careers, and how would they know what when to move up and all that? Okay, well, that I mean, it just 
it depends on what level you're at. Okay. If, if you're amateur, um, you're just going to have to go with what feels best and what your coach, most coaches, you know, experienced coaches can look at you, your health and see how you're doing on the scale, pay attention to it. And they'll know also your age plays a factor, your body type, your diet, all of that plays a factor. These professional fighters, a lot of them have nutritionists. They have strength and conditioning coaches. These people have degrees uh, with the science behind this stuff. So unfortunately, you do get some fighters, particularly from certain parts of the world, that don't work with those individuals. And their trainers try to keep them at a weight class that's too low for them and it ends up hurting them. I think Jaime Munguia is a good case of that. I think if Jaime Munguia were an American fighter, he would have been at 160 a year or so ago already. I don't think he would have been at uh, 54 as long as he was. So it, it just depends on the fighter and where they're at. But you should, in my opinion, especially if like you're training for, as a weekend warrior or an amateur fighter, you should be able to comfortably walk around at the weight that you want to fight at. I mean, some people want to absolutely kill themselves. In some of these amateur tournaments, you're weighing in that same day. And it's just not healthy. If you're dehydrated and taking punches to the brain, not good. That's how most of these ring deaths occur. So, oh, it looks like, all right, I think uh, you dropped off. Okay, sorry about that, guys. It looks like uh, we have one more caller in the queue. Don Quixote, I hope that answered your question. It really comes down to... Um, it's different for everybody. There's no real science to it, bro. It's it's human beings are different. So uh, eight five two, you're back on the show. Hopefully, I can hear you better this time. Go ahead, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yes. Hi, Michael. This is Roberto from Peru. I hope uh, you enjoy the visit from Osetuana. These guys are really experts. I don't know if you are listening to me or not. But really, I enjoy the show in Spanish. I enjoy your show in English, and I think. The show we both of you were really, really great, my friend. Thank you, Roberto. Your phone is still breaking up, uh, but I can hear you a little better this time. But you're <laughs> breaking up a little bit, so it's just we just got a bad connection today, man. But I thank you very much for calling. I appreciate it. I gotta let you go. I got one more call to get to, and then we're gonna wrap the show up. But I hope you enjoyed the show, my man, and uh, definitely call back in, okay? All right. Thanks, Roberto. And we're going to go one more call. I don't know. Maybe we're just having issues with the phone, guys. I, I know the app that I use, they did send us a communication uh, this week or last week that they, they're, they've, their bandwidth, is they're having issues with bandwidth. So uh, 317, you're on TNC. Last call of the show. Go. Hey, can you hear me? Am I? Is the connection good? Yes, I can hear you. All right, it's Jack Alter. I What's thought up? so. What's Good up, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you know, you were in the middle of talking to that, and I had like something in my throat, so I tried coughing, and I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was like, I was like, oh crap! Is, is he going to be pissed because I like cough, and you're like thinking I'm trying to interrupt you or something? Call with a but, prank uh, call. I'm, you know what? I'm actually surprised. I have not got one prank call yet. No one has called and trolled me yet. So I almost did that, like saying, uh, you fuck you, like saying, fuck you, Andre Ward's the best. Or something I'm, like I, that. Like, like, I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet, man. I know it's going to happen. You know, so fuck Montero. He sucks. I mean, it's coming. But anyway, sorry. Go ahead, man. Um, I, I don't know how long my phone will hold up, but 
Go ahead. We'll talk as long as we can. All right. One more thing. I've been telling everyone about that burger story. Dude, everyone uh, working at Burger King, everyone laughs at it. It's the funniest <laughs> thing. Uh, some, oh, I, I got more of those. I got, I got a lot of those. <laughs> I was a fucking yeah, delinquent, man. Gotta, man. Yeah, uh, well, I, I work in a deli, and there's this, uh, you know, like, meat shaved, like, when you shave it, like, yeah. people like their meat shaved sometimes. Yeah, so uh, this lady asked for a shave, and, this, and my friend Josh kept shaving it for her. This is just something little and stupid, but he kept shaving it for her. And she kept saying he did it wrong every single time. And then she's like, whatever, can I just get some cheese? He's like, you want that shave too? <laughs> and it, that, that sounds little, that's little and stupid, but, uh, but yeah, I wanted to ask a few questions. Oh, go ahead. What? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I wanted to ask you, uh, not necessarily like recommended diet, but like, what's your diet right now? Because I see you, you know, you're big guy working, running all the time in shape. So what do you eat? It depends on what you want to do, dude. I mean, you're a young guy. When I, when I was your age, it was about putting on more mass because I was tall and skinny. I was like, I, I think I've talked about this, but I, I could fight at 178 when I was in the Marine Corps. I was like 177, 178, and I was still 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so I was a tall guy. I was just skinny as hell. But in my early 20s, I wanted to put on weight. So, dude, I just ate everything I could get my hands on and lifted weights and really stopped doing a lot of cardio because I wanted to put on mass. So it really depends on your genetics. Uh, with you and your age, I would say you want to get good carbs. You want to get brown rice, pasta, um, potatoes, and make sure you're getting that stuff in. You got to get your protein, though, dude. You got to get a good protein shake, and you got to kill protein all day. You need carbs, though, to help soak it up. You need to spike your glycogen levels. So you're going to need sugars and carbs and lift weights, bro. The thing is, dude, how tall are you? How tall are you? Uh, I weigh like 170 or 165 right now, and I'm five foot nine. You're five foot nine. So, um, you know, for you, what I would recommend mostly for you, dude, is losing weight. Okay, at five foot nine... You know, I, since I'm six, four now, uh, I can, you know, I'm like 220, 225 right now. If I were fighting, I'd probably yeah. be down at 212, 215. So like, you know, I can wear that pretty well, but like for you, dude, you want to get down under 160. You want to be able to, lose no, no, weight. no, absolutely. Yeah. So if you, if you're trying to lose weight, you're not concerned about bulking up and shit right now for you, bro. You can have, you need carbs. Carbs in the morning, carbs midday, but post midday, you need to keep it to meats and veggies. If you're going to do fruits and, and carbs, I would keep that for breakfast, like, you know, a, a snack between breakfast and lunch and then lunch. If you worked really hard that day, maybe you could have a little snack after lunch that has a little bit more carbs in it. But man, I'm saying dinner time and after that, you need to keep it to meats and veggies. That's it. And then I would also try intermittent fasting. Um, that's worked really well for me too, where you only eat in an eight-hour window of the day. You know, you could try that as well. But if, if you're sparring, if you're training really hard that day, you need to eat food. So I don't like – I do intermittent fasting when I'm training. But if I'm going to spar that the next day or whatever, I eat because I want that fuel. You know what I'm saying? So that's different. Yeah. But if you're just trying to drop weight right now, dude, you got to get your road work in. 
you got in, in, include sprints, mix it up. Do do like running where you do you run like five miles one day, and then the yeah, next yeah. day do sprints, do stairs. If you can find a local school, like a high school, where you can go on the football field and run, do stairs. Do stairs. Yeah, running exactly. Straight this is up. What I've been. Uh, yeah. I was just gonna say run yeah, straight up, but also run sideways it. up the stairs. You know what I'm saying? Do side steps up the stairs to work on your footwork with the stairs. But do sprints on the football field, bro. Do 40-yard sprints and do 100-yard sprints. I'm talking balls out, 100-yard, end zone to end zone sprints. But also do 40-yard sprints and do suicides. Suicides are fucking awesome, man. Do you know what suicides are? Uh, I'm pretty sure, isn't it, where like, you just like like don't stop? Like... No, no, no. So, okay, so suicides, <laughs> I, look it up on YouTube, but like um, – you're going to run, let's say, 10 yards and then touch the ground, run back, touch the ground, run 20 yeah, yards, and then touch the ground, 20. run back. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, I know that. And build that up to like 50 yards. And I'm telling you, dude, you do enough suicides, your ass will feel it. You want to work your core. But also what I told you on Twitter last week, keep your shoulders and your hips healthy. A lot of people fuck up their lower back because they don't stretch and they get tight hips. And they fuck up their shoulders and upper back. So make sure you're stretching your shoulders, strengthening them. And people focus on the prime movers like the bicep and all that. There's little muscles in between the big muscles that connect everything. The tendons and all that. That's what you need to strengthen. So it's not necessarily about having the biggest pecs or the biggest biceps. It's about all the connecting tissue and keeping that shit healthy. So many people fuck their shit up because they just bodybuild. You know those dudes that do bench presses that are like three inches? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or like they get on the leg press and they lift it six inches. Like, don't do that shit. That's going to fuck you up. Yeah. Hey, uh, have you met like uh, Canelo in real life? Yeah. Well, like one-on-one yeah, -on -one in the gym? No. I've only met him in situations where I was interviewing him. I haven't hung out with him or anything like that. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, how tall was he? Like, yeah. give an estimate, because I don't think these guys are as tall as they say they are, right? They're like an inch shorter. They always lie about their height. Canelo's not. What do they list him at? 5'9 or some shit? It's probably 5'7. Yeah, 5'9. 5'7, 5'8. Something like that. Damn, how about G? G's a legit 5'9, 5'10. So, you know, Canelo's probably 5'8. Because, yeah, I'd say Gennady is a legit 5'9 or so, 5'10. Yeah, that's uh, and you said Wilder doesn't lie about his height. No, Wilder. Um, I've met him, and he is a little taller than me, and I'm six four. So Deontay doesn't lie about his height. He's he's legit about his height. All right, all right. I don't want to leave you, you know, leave your show like running and stuff. So uh, I'm gonna head out. I got some. Uh, I'm gonna make a smoothie probably. Uh, I got Chris Algieri's uh, Fighter's Kitchen book. Have you got it? No, you should I really recommend it. There's like a bunch of good recipes in there for like fighters to eat. I really recommend it. Hey, but, he knows uh, his shit. Yeah, man. I'm about to make a smoothie. <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy your smoothie, bro. All right, man. Yeah, yeah thanks for the tips. All right, man. No problem. You too. Have a good night. Bye. 
right, guys, that's the show. Uh, my phone is about to die. So uh, it actually held up longer than I thought it would. Like 20 minutes ago, it said it had 10% battery left. So I feel bad because I, I, I rushed Felipe and, and Renzo off the phone. I could have kept them on the phone longer. My phone held up. But uh, technology, always a good time. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's wrap this show up here, man. Let's, let's do it. Let's get the outro music going. Good show today. I hope that you all enjoyed it. I hope we didn't uh, trigger too many of you. And um, if I did trigger you, just calm down, relax, breathe. It'll be okay. We're all in this together. There is, remember this, guys. There is only one fucking race. And that's the human race. All right? So shut up with everything else. Just relax. Love each other. All right? We're all we got. All right, guys. uh, On that note, I'll see you at the flights. 